to another episode of the Backlog Breakdown Bite Size Edition. My name is Wes. I am not one of your normal hosts. I am neither Nate nor Josh, though I could really aspire to be both of them because they're really, really cool people. But I decided that I was going to hijack their podcast and put out an episode all about Mother 3. Yes, Mother 3. That is one of our Backlog Busters games for this month. And I thought I need to talk about this game because it is so amazing And I just recently completed it in English, and I thought, you know what? My podcast can't handle this kind of talk, so I have to go to the big boys, as it were. So I am here to talk to you a little bit about Mother 3 for the Game Boy Advance. Now, the reason I am covering this game, like I said earlier, is because it is one of our current Backlog Busters games for May, June 2019. And that it would be basically the whole Mother trilogy is what we're focusing on. And really, because this is the trickiest game to get a hold of for Western fans, it's probably good to have its own little smaller episode because it is really, really important. And I think in terms of video game storytelling and everything, it is like a pinnacle that should be aspired to now. But I digress. We'll talk about more of that later. So a brief history of the game, because that helps us know to the, the context, basically, of what the game is set in. It was released on the Game Boy Advance in April 20th, 2006. So a good 13-something years ago. Wow, I definitely do feel a little bit old now. And it was originally supposed to be released on the Nintendo 64, but it was scrapped and we reworked for the Game Boy Advance, I think because they, the Nintendo 64 hardware just wasn't really like doing what they wanted for them, and it was already in like full 3D for the Nintendo 64, so they had to scrap a lot of it. They kept a lot of the characters and I think even some of the music, but for the most part, it's a different game than what they had planned, as far as I am aware. It probably had very similar story beats, but anyway, this is the origin story of Lucas, that little blonde kid from Smash Brothers who has that little cool snake rope and the PK freeze power that it could be extremely annoying when you're playing, you know, sudden death. But it, it this is really his story. And well, back up a little bit, it's the story of his entire family. And I'll get into more of that later. But this is his origin. This is how you are supposed to know him and really connect with him as the protagonist. Uh, it's only been released once outside of the Game Boy Advance, and that was for the Wii U Virtual Console in 2016, but just in Japan. As of this time, there is no official English release of this game, so please keep that in mind for when I talk about the interesting history about that later. Uh, My personal history with this game is that I purchased it very shortly after it was released, along with Mother 1 Plus 2 for the Game Boy Advance, the re-release of the Nintendo and the Super Nintendo game, respectively. So I had the entire trilogy right there on Game Boy Advance, all in Japanese. And that was fine with me because I had been, you know, taking Japanese at that point and learning some. I was, let's see, I must have been 17 in high school, about to turn 18. So, you know, I'm in that pretentious stage of my life anyway, where I can bumble through, you know, super complicated stuff. No problem, because I'm super smart, blah, 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 blah. But uh, what I did in order to try to get through the Japanese version of this game was uh, I took a no spoilers guide that I found online This is before the English patch was released, so, you know, this is basically all you had. And it was no spoilers, just so that you can kind of experience the story insofar as you're able to do. And I copied and pasted it into a Word document file, and I put it at size 6 font, just so that I could minimize the amount of pages that I was printing out. And I printed that entire thing out for every chapter in the game and all the decisions you have to make. And it took it with me wherever I went during the summer just to try to make some progress in the game. And I was a little bit slow going to it and all that. And I was intending to play completely in Japanese. And I got very close to finishing. 
the last couple chapters, of course, are a little bit longer than the first few. So obviously it's maybe like halfway, maybe a little bit more than halfway. But I got lazy just because it was kind of really hard to go through all the, you know, Japanese characters that I'm just learning now. And you can't really like <laughs> decipher meaning easily when you're really just doing like a lot of uh, basic direct translation in your mind. So suffice it to say, it was a bit of a chore to do that. It was really fun to do that. And you know, playing it on original hardware and everything. But because I eventually heard about the English patch after I kind of put it down for a bit, I figured, okay, I'll just wait until that completely comes out. And then when it did come out, and I think about 2010 or so, I was in college, I was getting ready to be married and all that. So it kind of just went by the wayside for me. And I, you know, eventually got out of college, started a job, started another job, moved back to America, moved to Korea, moved back to America all sorts of crazy, <laughs> crazy stuff going on. And that just meant there was very little time for gaming to begin with. But, you know, that's how that is for me. And it completely fell to the wayside, basically, until I started playing Earthbound again last year to really try to finish that. And finishing Earthbound was what really convinced me to pick Mother 3 back up. And that's why I decided that, yes, in 2019, for the Backlog Busters, we have to have two months dedicated to this trilogy so that I can replay it and have it all fresh in my mind. So anyway, a little bit more about the game itself. The main plot, it takes place on Nowhere Islands, set in a little small town of Tasmanly. Everyone gets along in Tasmanly. You know, it's, it's basically a paradise or a utopia. But it, it follows, the story follows the trials that these villagers are facing as invaders are coming to disrupt their way of life, basically. They're, they have their mission, but it's really disrupting their way of life and causing greed and insecurities and a sense of danger to infiltrate the minds and the hearts of these villagers as they are being invaded by an outside source. And this really gets developed later on when you hear about this in the history of this village. And it's really, really intriguing. But more specifically, it also follows a particular family that you name at the beginning. But the basic names that they go with that are like the canon names that are accepted are Flint, Hinawa, Lucas, and Claus, who are twin brothers, and Boney the dog. So it, it's almost impossible to really delve into this game's plot, even surface level, other than what I've talked about so far, because there are so many plot twists and revelations in this game and things that you learn about, even in the first chapter of the game, within the first hour or two that you are playing, you are coming face to face with tragedy and fear and the unknown and your way of life being upset in a way that's so visceral and meaningful and emotional for everyone that's involved. And it changes how you view these characters for the rest of the game. And really the main theme of the story is family not just like the specific family that we're following but the broad family that you've made here in this village everybody knows each other everybody loves each other it's like the cheers bar right everybody knows your name that's exactly how this entire village is and because of that getting into the very specific plot points is really not doing it justice and really is a form of spoiler for the person that's you know listening to this podcast right now. So I'm going to refrain from that. But you have to really look at it in the through the lens of family and how changes that happen in the world affect our relationships and how as we are growing, 
you can see both the love and the loss that you are going to experience in life in your full force. That's really what they're trying to play upon in this game. And it works magnificently. It's very organic. The growth of these characters is very believable. You can totally understand people's actions and reactions based on what is they're thrust into, really, and the circumstances surrounding accidents or purposeful choices that these characters have made. And it's just an amazing story that just really just cuts to the heart just to your heart, your emotions. This is just a very emotionally gripping story. And it's just unbelievable that you are experiencing this on a Game Boy Advance cartridge. And really, the first two games, they do deal with this idea. Honestly, the first game, uh, it, this really connects back a lot to the first game and the idea of family and that little prologue that's in at the beginning of Earthbound Beginnings that is just... <sighs> It's really just hard to say. And you can hear me wrestling with it in my voice. I, as I'm talking, I can feel how the emotions are coming out. Like, I'm not a very emotional person to begin with, but being able to express them and actually feel and understand what I talk through and articulate what I'm trying, what I went through playing this game, you can just tell I can't do it because it's just, it would be doing an injustice to the game to give you that information. So there's really not a whole lot I can talk about other than the fact that this is a very mature story. Not an adult story, but a mature story about maturity and growing up. And this is something that everybody is going to experience in some way or another. And if you don't, there's a problem. And this is really it kind of deals with that and how you just have to grow up and you have to mature because life is not always going to be kind to you, honestly. And it's just... <laughs> It's really good, guys. It's a really good story. <laughs> That's pretty much all I can say about the story without really just destroying the experience that you will get when you play this game, if you can play this game. That is the real tragedy here, is that there's just not an easy way for English-speaking fans to understand and play through it. But I digress. I'm going to move on to the gameplay now so that it can be a little bit less emotional. And it, the game, well, the story and the game kind of plays in a very linear fashion as opposed to... A, the more open world nature of Earthbound and Earthbound Beginnings, you can go a lot of places in those two games, but there's really not a whole lot of exploration in this one. As a matter of fact, like other than like that really weird ocean dungeon area that you have to explore later in the game, there's not a whole lot of exploration per se. Like you got these really tiny confined areas because this is just a tiny little island that you're spending most of your time in and this real tiny village that you're spending a good chunk of the game in and very a bunch of the chapters. So there's not a whole lot of room for going off on your own, but that's okay. It really is okay. I don't feel like you need to do that. And it's done very specifically so that you unfold the different parts of the story in the chapters in the way that the creators really want you to. It's a very well-written novel in that sense. Some will see this as boring and they will feel like, well, I just want to go exploring and find all the nooks and crannies and, you know, if that's your mindset going in, then perhaps this isn't the game for you. But I think it's brilliant for them to change up the established formula that they've already gone through for the first two games and that we're already used to for the sake of the story. It's very unsettling and unfamiliar for the player. And that seems to be the exact tone they want to communicate to you as you're experiencing all the emotional gut punches that I mentioned earlier. So it's it can feel a little bit confining at times, but I think that's done purposefully. 
And I don't see how this game could work as well if it was as, you know, non, not necessarily non-linear, but as opened up as Earthbound and Earthbound Beginnings are, if you understand what I mean. And that's kind of, it, it's purposeful. That's what it feels like. The battle system is also very similar to the one from Earthbound, but with a really, really cool addition to that. And that'd be like the rim, rhythm combo feature. If you press A in time with the background music, whatever the background music happens to be, you'll attack the enemy repeatedly and just set of just one time. And that helps to rack up massive combo damage. It's not an essential feature that you need to complete the game, but for those who are more musically inclined, it's a fun, fun feature. And it helps you to put an end to those battles more quickly. Uh, the only downside of like the gameplay and the combat and whatnot is that they got rid of the uh, instant win feature from Earthbound, which was just a brilliant thing, honestly, where if you were statistically stronger than the enemy, then, and you were able to get the jump on the enemy, it would automatically defeat the enemy and you wouldn't have to go through the battle sequence at all. It would just flash real quick and it says you won and you got your experience points, whatever item. And that was like absolutely essential if you wanted to get the Sword of Kings in <laughs> Earthbound because of the one in 128 drop chance. That's just absurd. But that was such a good feature that they didn't have in this game. As far as I could tell, I, I did not see it happen. And I'm pretty sure it is not something that's available. So that would be like the only downgrade from the first two games to this game. But th that's really not a horrible thing to lose because it was, you could really like level grind really fast with it. So, you know, if you want to artificially extend it, I guess that's fine. It, for me, it was kind of a bummer. Um, as far as the way that you can play this game, it's a very interesting story because not too many years after the game was released, they announced an English patch was in the works that fans were going to make it. And this was just a stopgap measure in case Nintendo never decided to localize a game. Well, as you can see, it is now 2019, 13 years after the game's release, and Nintendo has not localized this game to Western countries, English-speaking countries. It is only available in Japanese, either on the Game Boy Advance or the Wii U Virtual Console. And there is no real reason to think that we are ever going to get this game, to be perfectly honest. So they had this translation start by fans, and they did such a great job. I, I think it was through Fangamer that they did a lot of the stuff, and they were able to not only preserve a lot of the puns and ideas, that the Japanese version had, but they were also able to localize it to a Western-speaking audience so that it's a little bit more easy to understand for us. And it was just an absurdly perfect translation job. I just don't think how they could have done any better with the translation. And that's kind of the problem, unfortunately. And I think is one of the reasons, uh, there are a few reasons, but this is one of the main reasons why I think Nintendo's never going to localize this game anymore. Because it's... Somebody just shot themselves in the foot, basically, because there is now this fan translation that is basically top notch, like a professional translator or two or more worked on this. And so there's just I don't see any reason for Nintendo to say, hey, there's no reason to translate this. We already have a fully functioning translation available for fans. And while fans may still buy it when if it's released officially, I just don't see they I just don't think they see themselves partnering with the fans or accepting the you know offer of using the same translation. I think Nintendo's got a little too much pride as a company to accept work from fans like that, honestly, to be, you know, perfectly blunt. I, I just think it's a pride issue, partially, but also because it's like what you're never going to satisfy 
the people that have played this game at this point because you know earthbound fans are scary and crazy to be <laughs> perfectly honest so i just don't know how they could ever i mean there are some localization issues too with portrayals of certain characters that are just cannot work in today's culture so i i don't see this game ever coming out but the fans translation is still available the game though is becoming increasingly difficult to obtain illegal you know japanese copy prices are absolutely skyrocketing and they don't seem to be going down anytime soon especially if you want a box and a manual so if you just want a loose cart well you could probably spend you know near three figures for that <laughs> and if you want the box and a manual you're just looking way way higher prices for that and unfortunately it's getting this game in any like you know quote-unquote legal and ethical manner is going to be really tricky for people borderline illegal if you want to even say it, it really is because it's really hard to apply an english patch to a game that's on your own unless you have a way to dump the cartridge onto your computer and it's this huge fiasco and the only way people could really realistically get and play this game really like easily and you know under 50 to 100 dollars in any way shape or form is to buy a pre-patched fan-made cartridge now you can debate the legality and ethicality of this. I'll leave that for you to decide whether or not, you know, it's important that the creators get the money and whatnot, or because it's secondhand, what does it matter? And, you know, you want to support with your money. That's for you to decide. Me personally, I know that I purchased an original copy of the game when it came out, box, manual, everything. I know my funds went to support the actual, you know, release, the actual release that is, no, not secondhand, but I bought it firsthand. And, you know, if you want to hear more of a discussion about this, Nate and Josh did a great two-part episode about emulation and ROMs and their legality and such. And I think they made excellent points and I agree with them. And, and I, it's just, this is a really tricky area. It really is, especially for, you know, Christians to navigate this realm of, you know, digital distribution. And there's really no way of getting around issues. I remember Nate using that phrase a lot and it's true. So getting this game, you're kind of on your own and, you know, your conscience is going to, you know, let you know if you're making a mistake. So regardless, it, it is a really good translation and the guidebook that they made for it. The Mother 3 guidebook that you can buy from Fangamer, the hardbound copy I hear is beautiful. The, you can look at the actual online version for free. You can download a PDF and it's very high quality, amazing images, the 3D models that they built, the clay models. Like they built in the spirit of, you know, Earthbound and Earthbound Beginnings. Phenomenal. It looks amazing. And I would love to just have that book. I need to buy the hardback copy of that book because it is so beautiful and it would look great on my shelf. And you can also get a Franklin badge, I believe, which is really neat from Fangamer. Not that we're sponsored by them or me. I'm not personally. I don't know about anybody else, but it's a really cool way of, uh, you know, showing your love for this franchise and I have to say the accomplishment of finally completing this game in a language that I, you know, actually understand was very satisfying for me. And I do feel bad that I didn't feel that or that I didn't uh, complete Earthbound Beginnings beforehand. And I already beat Earthbound last year and wasn't necessarily sure if I was going to continue it this year for the, you know, two months we're doing backlog busters for that trilogy. But considering I started playing this when I was a teenager, you know, with very little responsibility, and I've now completed as a married adult with two children, college education, job and everything. It helps me to really be able to understand and relate to 
more serious themes better than I could when I was a kid. And just seeing that growth in myself from when I started that game to actually finishing it now and to understand the context behind it so well. And it's it's just a really interesting generational thing, I, I think. And it, 13 years is a long time <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it. But it's really amazing to see like how this medium can affect you in such a way to really cause you to be introspective and to really think about like, wow, time is precious. Life is precious. And this game communicates that, I think, above all else. And maturity is important. And there are so many Christian parallels that we can draw from this game. That's It's not a Christian game, but there are so many things and spiritual insights you can gain from the cre- this amazing creator. Shigesato Itoi is just an amazing creator and i i would just I, I would pay so much money to just sit and pick his brain through a translator obviously because i can't speak japanese fluently but <laughs> i digress it's fantastic and i know that i i'm pretty sure like even if you don't necessarily enjoy the grind of it and how long-winded chapters seven and eight can be it's still an amazing experience that it's just so ephemeral honestly and just grabbing onto it it's it's hard but it's great so anyway that's me done with my philosophical waxing for the day and i hope you enjoyed some of my thoughts on this game and i am going to now go complete earthbound beginnings and maybe replay earthbound just so that i can capture some of that nostalgia again uh my name is wes i am the henshin dad and if i can you know plug my podcast for a minute i am uh, an Acre podcast, and I do a short-form, family-friendly show about the tokusatsu genre. You've heard Nate and Josh uh, talk about it before on theirs, and I've been on the podcast once, and I definitely want to again, you know, in case anybody wants to invite me, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, heart, heart, you know, whatever I have to do. Here's some money. I'll slip it under the table if you want to invite me on again. I'm just saying. But yeah, thank you for listening. I'm Wesley Henshin Dad. You can find my podcast and listen to my tokusatsu ramblings which are definitely not as philosophical as this one so uh, until next time keep beating down your backlog and josh and nate will keep breaking down the benefits while i will simultaneously bust people's backlog with a backlog golf club that i bought with my extra finances i saved from not buying any new games or something like that Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Backlog Breakdown. If you want to join in the conversation, you can email us at thebacklogbreakdown at gmail.com or join our Facebook group, The Backlog Book Club, on Facebook. And on Twitter, our handle is at bbdowncast. Of course, you can also catch Nate and I on our social media platforms like Facebook, Twitter, and the GG app. I go by Broccolope, that's spelled B-R-O-C-C-O-L-O-P-E, and Nate goes by Nate underscore McKeever. Till next time, loggers, you keep beating down those backlogs, and we'll keep breaking down the benefits.